Welcome to season three. Welcome to season three of this most unbelievable podcast. We're doing it, Paul. We're doing it, Sherry, and here we are again. Here we are again. So when we started season one, we had no plan. We just explored topics as they came up. And for season two, we made a plan. How do experiences go through the mind, the body, and the heart? Now we go into season three. Do we have a plan? Well, a couple of topics keep coming up. Yeah, so what reoccurring theme do you see, Paul? I see the topic of connection coming up a lot. What do you see, Sherry? Definitely connection, and also persistence. Uh, Connection and persistence. These are pretty big themes, Paul. These are pretty big themes, Sherry, and we'll do our best to cover them well here in Season 3. And we thank you, dear listeners, for joining us as we explore these topics. If you like what you hear and you want to support us, please visit the website and click on the donate button to support us on Patreon. You can also check out our website where you can learn more about the workshops and events we have coming up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now on with the show. Hi, Sherry. What's going on? Hey, Paul. Not much. He's, How are you? Or it is it is podcast Thursday afternoon this week. <laughs> October's weird, man. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because today is podcast Thursday. We have pressed the play button, and yet um, I don't know what we're talking about. And I realized as we went into this that Paul does, and I don't. Um, well, Hmm. Paul knows what he's going to bring up. Paul knows doesn't know what we're actually going to end up talking about, but I thought this would be a good one. In the spirit of our ongoing theme of persistence and connection and resiliency and all that kind of stuff that we're talking about over the last oh couple of days, month or so, um, as familiar challenges continue to be familiar and as new challenges arise because now any little thing that's a blip that used to be a blip feels like a big thing with all the other stuff going on a lot of the times uh this one word kept coming to mind over and over again and i'm curious to hear what you have to say about this and there's a chance that this podcast might be Interesting and delightful and wonderful and informative, and there's a measurable chance it might be like five more minutes and then we're going to be done depending on how this goes over. And we'll see. I think you're better at math than that, Paul. I think statistically, like the fact that you and I could be on a call and have only five more minutes of conversation, unlikely, unless one of us is hungry, but I'm not hungry yet. Yeah, yeah, unlikely. And uh, so uh, I'm going to throw this down. I'm going to think about what you... uh, uh, I'm going to see what you think about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Before that, how are you doing, Sherry? You doing well? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Delightful. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. How are you, Paul? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm and so how glad are you, we listener? did the niceties. How are, you? how are you, listeners? Are you well? Are you doing okay? Yes. What Go ahead and need? tell us. We'll what do you hear need? you. Yeah. So let us know what you what you need right now, and we're happy to happy to see if we can we can talk a lot about it a little bit in a way that's that's meaningful. So. I'm starting to get a little bit of a glare. I think uh, I think Sherry's interested in hearing what the topic is. Are you ready? So there's right. one word, Sherry, that kept coming to mind. You know what it is? I don't. Hope. 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 Oh, 
don't want to talk right, about listeners, hope. Thanks for oh. thanks for checking. Yeah, thanks for listening, yeah. folks. We'll, t- no. we'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this one. So it's so funny you frame this in terms of like persistence and like continuing. And you know what? I quit. Like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> we're out. It's like we're both at the bottom. So let's talk about hope, right? Yeah. Uh, and as we oftentimes do, it's like I'm having a hard time finding this. So let's talk about it and maybe something interesting will come out of it. So um, I don't feel like I have to be the expert on something to bring it up as a topic. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny considering we're both college professors. I was about to say, well, yeah, that's kind of like basically why we teach, right? Like I don't have to be an expert. I just have to be able to think on my feet and figure it out and research it and come to good conclusions. That's all we do, right? Maybe. Yeah. Do you do you go into a semester with hope? Because, hmm. I mean, we talked about this on, on our other podcast, right? Uh, Faith Made Welcome, right? Optimism is kind of a loosey-goosey squishy there's not too much to it you know it's optimism can be blind i don't know if hope really is you know uh, hope soon feels like it has a little more substance to it so i think hope is super complicated um and i think we'll unpack that over the next 17 hours that it's going to take us to really treat this topic so awesome buckle up awesome. y'all um <laughs> so season three and four is what about to <laughs> Paul and I will turn 70 while recording about hope. Um, So I don't know. The question you asked, like, do I go into a semester with hope? Fascinating. I think you just spent a week being like, you know what? Sherry always asks me the softball questions. And you just, like, sat in your bed one night coming up with, like, how can I? It's only four letters. It can't be that complicated. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Do I go into the semester with hope? Uh... I don't know what my relationship with hope is, Um, but I think I go into a semester um, with excitement. I think I go into it with like anticipation. Um, But one of the things that's interesting about the academic calendar, or maybe just the way I see life in general, is that I think everything is cyclical. Um, And so I think I go in it bracing for what I know is going to transpire, which is there are going to be passages within the semester that are going to be amazing. Um, And I guess I could say that I'm hopeful for those periods. And I also know that there are going to be darker, harder, thicker times in the semester. Um, And I hope to trans, you know, to pass through those as gracefully as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I feel like I go into a semester with equal parts hope and realism. How do those relate to each other? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how we define hope. How do you... It's your topic, buddy. How do you define hope? Yeah, it's my topic because I don't know anything about it. Um uh, how do I define hope um, without, you know, I feel like a, a challenge to myself without using the word optimism. How do I define hope? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the recognition that there is a way forward mm-hmm. that will result in a I don't want to say something like a desirable outcome. That's a little sterile, but result in something good happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's somehow related to 
uh, the task at hand, you know, and I don't think it has to, because, you know, op- optimism is, 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 like I said, it just seems kind of blind to me. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll try to make something work. If there's hope, you know, it seems like it feels like there's, it's, it's more confident that there's a path that you, one could take mm-hmm. to, to, get, to get to a good place. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things with hope is there's a little bit of a movement um, kind of metaphor sort of baked within it. Like with hope, you're hoping something's going to move forward. Something's going to transpire. Something's going to change. Um, I think for me, maybe hope is related to beginning. Um, so I think the thing that makes me have hope is the sense that with most things, we have the option to begin again. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, in some ways, like, if we didn't have that ability to begin again, none of us would ever meditate, right? Yeah, that's what Sharon Salzberg says. Exactly. You know? yeah. 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 So, um, so like, we go in to a meditation session um, with with the opportunity knowing that no matter what happens, we can always begin again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hope for me. Hope for you. That is the, that is what hope represents for you or, or that means there is hope for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think I find hope within that. I think, Times when I feel hopeless, like I think defining the opposite is much easier than defining the thing. Yeah, totally. Right? So when I feel hopeless, it is because I feel like things are too far gone and there's no way to begin again. There's no way forward. That's what hopelessness looks like. Um, But within any kind of opportunity, I can try to figure out like, well, well, how do we start over? How do we clear the slate? That's where I find hope. How does one clear the slate? I mean, how, how does that show up? I mean, because it's like if you're, if you're looking at do, doing something, I mean, it's saying clear, clearing the slate. Uh, that's a, that's a, oftentimes a, a phrase used when situations are it's like, all right, let's start over. This is not working. You know, mm-hmm. and you, you sweep the decks and you clear the, clear the slate off and you, you really are starting over with something like you were saying. Um, because you become hopeless – and the hope is that if you clear the slate, you will then become hopeful that something something may sort of sort of emerge. So how do you call it? I mean, when do you to 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 say, okay, I'm going to wipe the slate clean and I'm going to start over again? That takes a little bit of introspection, I think, on this recognition and this acknowledgement that this has gone as far as it can down its trajectory, and it, headway is not being made possibly and maybe we need to start over with something here but i i think that this is a very natural kind of if you look at our real attachment to cycles and i think this goes back to paul and sherry conversation one unrecorded 2019 um i think that one back out we need, huh? to record that. we need to record that sometime or try to, try to recreate it if possible. It might not be. Uh, well, you know, what's funny about that is I do have like, because I'm a nerd, I wrote the message inviting you to that conversation in my notes app and I found it the other day. And so we could we could go back to what I initially asked you to come talk to me about. Yeah, we'll have to revisit that. A different day, a different day. Yeah. Um, but 
I think, where was I going with this? Oh, the idea of cycles. Like, I think it's kind of built into how we think about a lot of things. Like, we celebrate New Year's resolutions because we want hope that we can wipe the slate clean and start over again. Mm-hmm. You know, we divide the, we divide you know, night and day into different days so we can say, okay, it's a fresh day. Let's start over again. Oh, that's um, interesting. You know, there are new weeks. Ah, it's a fresh week. It's a new birthdays. semester. Birthdays. Birthdays. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think we do these weird things with time to try to trick ourselves into optimism or to ho- to have hope uh, for what's coming. And I mean, I think so, a lo- this is what's happening right now with 2020, right? Like we're all saying, oh, sh- it's it's fine. January first, twenty twenty one. Everything's gonna be great. It's, this you know? is just twenty twenty, and it's gonna get better because twenty twenty one's coming. Except I feel like well, every time we say that, it's not a vote towards optimism. It's a vote towards doom. Like don't yeah. challenge twenty twenty one to be the worst ever. Yeah, right. No. Tempting fate. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're we 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 oftentimes do have this habit. I think of taking a. Uh, a continually a continuous metric of time moving forward or whatever it might be and erecting a lot of barriers on it that once you cross it it's like okay we're going to forget about everything that happened before this part we're here now and let's move forward and we're going to call a hard stop to whatever things were and sort of go and you're absolutely right new year's resolutions are the are the case study in this you know um making a birthday wish mm-hmm uh, wishing upon a star, you know, it's like, okay, so that star I wished on it. So now something can, can sort of go waking up in the morning, like you said, um, and saying, okay, it's a fresh day, new start. Uh, there's so many times that we, we do draw that line, I think, and say, okay, now if we started right now, what would I do? If I, if I'm not sort of saddled by the baggage of history and everything that led up to this, it's like, and so the, the question that, I rarely ask myself because I'm terrified of what the answer would be. Uh, I possibly made that sound more dire than it actually is. I'm like leaning in like. It's like, oh my God, what's going on over there? Um, If you had a complete, if you forget everything that happened in your life up to this point and you are right here right now, suddenly for the first time with brand new eyes, is this what you would choose? Mm. Is this what you would choose? Of if you had options, they get that. I want that one. Uh, showroom B, please. You know that's that's the life I want, right? Um, and if the answer is if the answer is yes, awesome. What do you do if the answer is no? You know, um, and I don't know if it's it, it, it's a little bit dangerous to challenge our, our listeners to say, okay, look at your life right now. You know, uh, through the eyes of a clean slate. And uh, if if this was the if this was the beginning of a brand new life for you, is this is this the life you would choose? I think you know that there's a couple of different ways I think a person can look at that, right? Like, I think huh, there are ways in which I could look at the life that I live now, and I can compare it to the life that I thought I would have when I was pick a particular age. Yeah, right. Anything up until now, right? Right. Yeah. And I think I would say that I'm a particularly blessed person because anything I had imagined 
pales in comparison to where I'm at. Yeah. So that's right. awesome. Me too. I think a lot yeah, of people don't have that luxury. Yeah, me too. But I also think I can look at my life and see a lot of ways in which what, like, if I get real quiet and real still, still with myself and ask myself, what do I really want and really listen to the answers, then no, this isn't, this isn't exactly it. And I think if you get to that point where you say, yep, nope, this is exactly it. Like, what do you do the next day? Well, yeah, day? what do you do with it? Yeah. So um, it seems like, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody would look at every single aspect of their entirety of their life and say, yep, that's exactly, it. you know, um, you know, is is this acceptable to you? Is this, you know, is, is, is this like of realistic options, you know, the alternative is like, no, I would have won the lottery five times by now and I'd be living in a desert island in Tahiti that I own or, or whatever. You know, right. one must be a realist when envisioning the possibilities here. But, you know, if if we were able to clean slate and, and just kind of crash landed into the life we have right now at this second, is, is like, is this acceptable? Mm-hmm. Is this an acceptable? Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, we'll go from here, you know. Um, so this is where you are, where you want to go. Because I think the the momentum of of history a lot of times pushes us to continue things well past the point of usefulness, practicality, benefit, selfish or otherwise. Um, it's the whatever, the cost, uh, the sunk cost bias, right? Right. That yeah. Well, if you didn't, and because that's what that question is, is like if you completely got rid of all sunk cost bias, you forgot about everything you invested and everything you're already doing. Right? Would you choose to continue them starting right now where you are? Yeah. So I recently watched the sort of documentary that they have on Netflix that goes along with uh, the ending of the show Schitt's Creek, uh, which I adore and I just think is just such a fantastic show. Um, But one of the things that they talk about is the fact that they chose to end the show when it had sort of just kind of really gained popularity. Mm -hmm. And they chose to end the show in this moment where everyone seems to love it. Like, why, when everyone loves it, would you go out? Why would you stop doing this beautiful, amazing thing that you love with these people you love? Yeah. And it, it really does seem to be this, like... It's. I. I think that like you. You have to figure out when to stop the good thing, so that it can stay the good thing. It's like so counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think like the show or hate the show. I think Seinfeld said they try to do the same thing. You know, it's like we're going out on top. You know, there are there are questions whether or not the Simpsons should be in season thirty one or whatever they they are. Um. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, both interesting. of which shows that I thought were delightful, and I you know right? I, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed deeply. But you know, what's interesting I think is that we think about hope as being a good thing, right? Like if somebody doesn't have hope, we tell them like, "Oh, where's your hope?" Right? Like, "Oh, you gotta cultivate some hope here." Have you lost hope? Like, are you hopeless? Are you, are you hopeless? Come on, why? This is not a hopeless pursuit, right? Like we we kind of fixate on hope. But in order for you to have hope, this thing that we think is positive, it requires unfulfillment. 
Yeah, you have to not be there yet, right? Yeah. So to have this very positive thing, you must have a negative thing within your life. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just um, say stuff, Paul. Because, I mean, Test it out. Did, did Shit's Creek know that they were going to be as popular as they did when they were in the, in the run? I mean, who, who knows, you know? Um, it. You, I think it gets attached to the possibility of something being made better. Which means it is currently and at a deficit. It's at a def, but whether it's at a real deficit or a perceived deficit, you know, it might just be a perceived deficit. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, and so, if you think about the the Schitt's Creek example, you know, a show which I really need to start watching because yeah. I haven't yeah, yet. Yeah, you do. Uh, it comes highly recommended by Dr. Sherry Spiegel, FYI. If you find yourself, it's like, okay, we're in the show. There's no way that you can actually envision this getting better. It's, it is literally downhill from here. No matter what they do, it's the best that it can be. You know, the mission has been accomplished, right? And the plug should be pulled because it's like you're only going to experience regret for trying to um, persist in something that is not uh, reclaimable or, or obtainable. Mm-hmm. It's the whole it's the whole jumping the shark idea, right? You know, you know that you know where that comes from, right? The whole jump the shark I do. notion from is, Greece, yeah, right? From uh, it's, it's from the Fonz, right? I yeah. think it was it's from uh, Happy Days, right? Um, oh, Happy Days, yes, Happy right. Days, yeah, because it was like different Greece. They they kept trying to be interesting and sustainable with the show. It's like he's gonna jump a shark on water skis. It was like, oh my god! And ever since then, it's like this sad attempt. <laughs> to reclaim something that was lost or to be even better than you were has become so farcical of an attempt that is so obvious what you're trying to do here. It's like, just cancel the show already. Seriously, have some dignity, you know, have some dignity. Right. But I mean, I think like when a show is losing hope, when they need hope, there's some sort of deficit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Um, Real or perceived. So, but Paul, why hope of all the things? Why hope today? Why is it? Well, I don't know. There's a few things, I guess. I don't know. It, I don't know if it's today. It, it's just sort of the words that came to me this week um, with this. And it seems like it would. It's, it's something that requires a little conversation because, I mean, this pandemic, we're in what, month six yeah, apparently. August, seven, eight. Yeah. Seven or eight, you know, it's like hope is in in improvement is causing people to make bad decisions with reopening and, you know, all that ridiculous stuff, which makes it last even longer for the rest of us because for a variety of reasons, you know, and um, I think, I think, how do you maintain it? You know, how do you, because it, it, it's feeling, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's a marathon. How do you, how do you stay hopeful? How do you maintain hope? How do you not lose hope after seven months of wearing a mask and not seeing people in public and 
physical distancing. I'm, I'm not calling it social distancing any longer. Yeah. Physical distancing from each other. Um, how do you how do you maintain it? And there's the old British stiff upper lip way, and I don't know if that really does any good. I think that's sort of a fake it till you make it situation. Um, but there are some days, and you and I have experienced this, you know, recently, as everyone I think has. There's some days when it's it's tolerable and okay, and there are other days when it's less so, and you just sort of had it. Um, and I wish I knew what the difference was between those days. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Like, what's what's happening underneath the surface of the days where we can find access to hope and the days where we don't? Like, what do our hopeful days have in common? Yeah, because right now it's at the point of like, I don't think about whether I, I have a mask when I leave. Of course I do. I always do. There's one in the car. There's one on the railing of the of the steps when I when I walk out the door. It's like I don't even think about it any longer, right? The A lot of these things that have changed, you know, since the pandemic started have become ingrained and reflexive and I don't have to think about them anymore, you know? Um, and I mean, just how does keeping hope alive or something like that, being hopeful that all of this is going to end one day can get exhausting, you know, because you're, you're, it, it's a constant reminder that you're not there and it's going to be a while, you know, so, you know, trying to stay hopeful all the time can oftentimes, I think, lead to a little bit of a, a struggle because it's like, my God, how long do I need to be hopeful here before something actually freaking happens? Come on already, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's running without, without a finish line. Right. Well, and I think, Part of it is, and I think using the pandemic as an example, like sometimes when we're looking at hope, it's like the question of do we maintain hope or do we just adjust expectations? And I think, you know, part of the fact that we all have masks everywhere, um, do we still have hope that things are going to change or have we just resigned to the fact that this is... This is what life looks like now. We, we yeah, see think, our loved ones in masks. I think it's resignation for me. You know, it's like, yeah, this is the way it is, you know, um, one day at a time, you know. Um, so one of my approaches has been I'm not going to take the long view on this. I'm not even going to try to predict when all this is going to be over. Yeah, Spanish flu was about a year and a half, you know, back in the a century ago. And who knows how this is going to go? You know, it's like uh, one day at a time. So one day at a time, you know. Um, so, so I think that's interesting. So does the desire to stay within the present moment, does that exclude, like, does that exclude hope? Like when we say, you know what? I'm not in that moment. I'm just in this moment. Is that an unhopeful thing to do? Well, I'm trying not to counter your question with another question. I mean, um, you're allowed. But I don't know what I was listening to the other day, but somebody brought this up. I was, I don't know, it was a podcast I was listening to. Um, and they said, uh, if you read the suttas, if you read the, the Buddhist texts, if you read all these things, the Buddha never talks about hope. Because it takes you out of the now. Yeah. You know, he's like, he never talks about hope. It's like, yeah, there's no there there. 
Um, but it, it seems like we're always, I mean, Star Wars was literally a new hope, right? Um, and so it's like we, we're, we're kind of taught that hope is such a great thing, you know, faith, hope, and love. And um, Yeah, but the greatest of these is love, right? Is like, love, not hope. Yeah. yeah. Like and, but, I mean, Marty was talking about this. Hope is gritty, right? Hope is gritty. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, I mean, I think hope is fine as long as it doesn't take you out of the present experience that you're having. Because once it does, you're not participating any longer. And um, so it's like, I don't, it's like, like I, said, I don't even know why this kept coming to me. It's like, hope. Oh, what does hope have to do with any of this? Because it seems like we're, all we're doing is trying to stay hopeful that things will turn around. It's like, is that is that whole mindset doing any of us any good? Well, so... I think sometimes, like, hope is just, I think hope can be an empty platitude, right? I think hope can uh-huh. be a distraction. Um, you know, it's just like, well, look on the bright side. Um, you know, like, there's always tomorrow. Like, all this kind of, like, cheesy kind of, well, it's going to get better, we promise. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that doesn't necessarily do us any good in the now. And so um, if because I can get too fixated on the what could be. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think so maybe I would like to think about hope as it relates to joy. So you get joy when you're in the moment. And I don't know what the relationship between, like, if you're so fixated on hope, on what could be, does that give you enough space to be joyful in the moment? Mm-hmm. If we're, fa- if, I mean, if you're fixated on hope, can you, can you truly experience joy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Um, does, is our hope and joy... Are hope and joy uh, the two sides of a balance? Can you have sort of? Um, so it's like if you have you have hope on one side, and it's it's forward looking, it's future looking, and it's destination looking, and it's it's looking at the potential of improvement. Does that take? Is that at the cost of the joy that you're presently feeling? To where at at at, at the time of extremes, if you're all joy. Do you not have hope because you don't need it? And therefore, um, if you're all hope, that's all you have is hope. You know, that means you're at the at the extreme of of joylessness. And, you know, when I when I sort of think about, you know, I want to say no, that it's like, can't you have hope and joy at the same time? Yeah, I think you can. But I think it might be an even match. Um, to be at 100% hope, I think, does possibly equate to 0% joy. To be at 100% joy, like you said, I mean, this is sort of where you were talking earlier, does sort of lead to zero of the other. Because um, this is what you were talking about earlier when you were saying it's like there must be some dissatisfaction to be had I might have just come around with that in the last half an hour and what you excuse you at the time. I was like, I don't know if that's true. But now that I'm sort of going through it, I'm thinking maybe that's true. You know, um, that without if there was joy, there would be no need for hope. Right. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that uh, this has come up before, I think, like back in the early, the OG rates of things episodes. Uh-huh. At one point, I think you mentioned something about experiencing emotions like one at a time. Like they line up. Mm. And I don't think, I don't think that has to happen. So I don't think we have to say like in a moment, well, are you experiencing hope or joy? Yeah. It's not 100-0 for, for both of them. I don't right. think you have to have one or the other. It's like you can be at 50-50. But, you know, I, but if, I think, yeah, I think in moments of joy, I don't give a crap about hope. Yeah, because you don't need to. You don't need to, right? And it's like, um, I think that's where, like, the, you know, the whole concept of, like, reaching flow. Like, when I have a real moment of flow and I'm really present and it's just coming along nicely... It doesn't matter to me whether I am where I want to be in the totality of my life. Mm. All that matters is that moment. But hope requires that you focus on some far removed yeah, moment. Right. But joy right. allows you to just kind of sit with wh- exactly where you are in one minute. I think joy is always fully present. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always fully present because it's like, I hope I'm joyful tomorrow. No, that's hope, right? It's like, <laughs> you don't have it now. You're hoping for it later. That, that's hope. Um, and hope for joy is not joy. It's hope. And that is, I wouldn't say it's the opposite, but it's a negative relationship, I think. I think I'm coming around on that. That's well, interesting. Well, it's so interesting because I think hope is something you have to work for. Joy, I, I think I've said this. I don't know if it's on this podcast or another podcast or just in my head. I think joy is something that sneaks up on you. It's accidental. Like, I don't plan for joy. It's kind of like with love. I don't think... You might hope that you find love, right? But I I don't think you plan it. It just, like, pops up. It's sneaky. It is sneaky. You sort of discover yourself in it. Yes. You discover yourself in it. And... um, Wow. I didn't think that this whole conversation was going to end up being it's like, wow, hope is a really crappy thing. God, may you never have hope, you know. <laughs> may you always be hopeless. May you, al- <laughs> um, may you always be – but, you know, if that's tied to, may you always be joyful. I think that's a fair trade. Um, so hope has a positive connotation to it, I think. It always mm-hmm. does. You know, it's always about things being better. Is that an admission of the truth of suffering in our world around us? And that we're, you know, there's no way you can be joyful all the time, right? You know? Well, sometimes I think, the it, especially how, who and how we ask people to have hope. Um, I think sometimes, like, I don't know. I, I might just be hating on hope today, Paul. Um <laughs> I think who we ask, like, um, well, where's your hope? Like, oh, I, I, you know, I watched that documentary about this horrible subject and I just don't understand why they don't have more hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been true. Uh, Austin Channing Brown. I think every time I talk about hope, I talk about Austin Channing Brown in her book. I'm still here. She really wrestles with like the idea of hope. And she talks about standing on um, the shadow of hope. Um, And so for her, the goal isn't to have hope because hope is, it's, sometimes hope is missing the point. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I won't be able to summarize like her argument very well, but I think we should put it in the show notes and people should read that essay she wrote mm-hmm. um, because it's worth all of our time. I mean, I mean, I know that, I mean, we have hope for, for noble things, you know, I mean, I think it's a good thing to have hope f- f- for racial equality. You know, it's good to have hope that there will be a cure for diseases. I think it's good to have hope that there will be less suffering in the world based on decisions that we can make and actions we can take. You know, hope is good, I think, in that respect. But that does come with an admission that it is not the way that it – something is being – something is not – we're not there. We're not there, you yeah. know. Well, and maybe maybe hope isn't all we need. Like, it's not – like, it's fine, but it's not enough. It's It seems like an admission – that things are not as good as they could be, right? It's yes. it's a it's a place to start. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, I do think that I think we turn to hope when we don't know what else to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody tells you, "I have a cold," and what do you say? I hope you feel better. I hope you feel better. Yeah. Because I have nothing of substance to offer you, so I'm gonna give you empty hope mm. right like it, it it feels nice i guess except i don't know like has anything meaningful been exchanged i don't know i have a cold how about i make you some soup yeah what's an alternative thing to say that's uh, more meaningful than i hope you feel better i mean which is not wrong i mean i do hope people feel better when they have a cold um may your suffering not be great at this time you know yeah. uh but so here's like uh, your you turn of phrase to yourself there reminds me. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good way to do it that's a little more present and joyful than hopeful. Well, so thinking about the structure of like meta meditation, right? Mm-hmm. May he be happy. May he be yeah. well. Is that hope based? Uh, I don't think it is. So what is it? I don't think it is. Because it doesn't have to be projective into the future. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might be offering a, a wish, for lack of a better word, for a present state. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can get futurized a little bit. May they find peace. May they find... Mm, that's more of the compassion side. That's more of the Karuna approach, though. You know, it's like I see their suffering and I, I wish for it to be brief. I mean, when you when you because when you actually start to acknowledge the suffering of it, you stop doing metta yeah. and you start doing Karuna. You start doing compassion, right? Metta, in on its purest, asks for nothing. Right. It's nothing more than saying, "May they be well. May they be happy," because ultimately. One of the differences between metta and karuna, well, sort of, this is not entirely, I mean, I could talk about this for an hour. Um, Metta, like I said, metta asks for nothing. It is like, may they be happy, may they be well, may they find peace, or may they be peaceful, may they, whatever, you know, um, be light on their feet, whatever whatever your your phrases are that you use for that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't acknowledge or pay attention to any sort of a present state of something it's an act of it's a it's an offering of pure kindness 
And I've always found that it is way more informative about me mm-hmm. than it is about the other person. You know, um, so like when somebody does something really shitty to you or somebody does something that's really offensive or they, they act, they lash out on you, whatever, oh, may they be well, you know, because it's like mm, it's it's not about the other person. It's about me and how mm-hmm. I see other people mm-hmm. because ultimately that's the only change you can really sort of make. Um, it only acknowledges the other person as they as you sort of relate to them a little bit. Karuna meditation, right, the, the compassion meditations, you know, look at others and, and, and see the suffering in the world that people are, are – you know, oftentimes feeling, facing, whatever it might be. May their suffering be brief. May they, you know, and that, that seems like a little more of a hope-based thing. Meta, not really, but um, but even that all on its own, it's like, boy, they're really suffering. I hope it doesn't go on that long. I hope I hope they find the way out of it. I hope they find some peace out of it, you know, with the acknowledgement of suffering. Meta is just meta. Mm-hmm. Just loving, and a free offering of loving kindness to, to all beings. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, I think as you talked about it, I realized meta really, it's more about love and less about hope. It's very present. Yeah, it's very present. It's very present. Yeah. It's not easy always. It's not easy most of the time. So why do you think we get so fixated on hope? I mean, hope has been a big, I mean, you know, it was the Obama campaign. It was because we live in a prog- we we try to think that we live in a progressive society, right? It's this myth of progressivism that you know we're always working for a better tomorrow. We're always working for a better future. We want our kids to have it better than we did. We want our all this stuff to go. You know, we want to have a good job and provide for a family so they can have the advantages of that as they move forward into their own lives into the future, um, that we're rebuilding a new future on an old past, making improvements every step along the way, you know, and, and there's these built-in notions of progressivism that are baked in to our culture and our, and our society and some of the most radical books that I've read, some of the most radical study I've done are the ones that start with, by the way, we don't live in a progressive society. We just keep reinventing the same dumb mistakes over and over again for the last 50,000 years. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. Um, it's sort of a bleak, uh, a bleak outlook, you know, and, and given those two options, it's like I, I choose the progressive one just because at least, you know, uh, yeah. I, I do experience suffering now and it promises less of it. That promise might be shallow or hollow and false, though. Well, because hmm. it makes you work now. I mean, it's like if, if you see, you know, if, if, if you acknowledge hope, you acknowledge that there's a potential for a better tomorrow. And therefore, it gives you a reason to be today. And he gives you something to do today. It's like, OK, if tomorrow is going to be good, then I have to do things today to make it that way. So I'll study and I'll go to work and I'll, you know, brush my teeth and I'll make my bed and I'll be nice to people. Because if I keep doing that, tomorrow is going to be better than today. Um, and... Uh, I think a lot of times that does often make us a little bit resentful in what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think I think sometimes we can get so fixated on the hope that we live every day for tomorrow, not for today. Yeah, everybody's working for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that, Sammy Hagar? Right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, and I mean, I think I've spent, I spent a lot of my life just trying to work for whatever's next. Yeah. 
Because, um, Jerry, if you work really hard, if you do your job well, you might get this promotion. You might get that raise. You might, you get, might get this. Yeah. Um, but it, it is, I think, having hope and having dreams, right? Like, in some ways, it makes life a little... We all have a sense that we're on a journey, right? And so hope gives us a sense of destination. And I think if you don't have a sense of destination, like if you're completely and utterly just satisfied, mm -hmm. like, then what do you do when you wake what do you, up? Yeah, what do, what do you do all day? Yeah, what do you do all day? You know, like bask in the, like, because... I don't think satisfaction necessarily brings joy, you know, and maybe this is just how I work. Like, mm -hmm. as soon as I get satisfied, I become bored. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, just, I'm not yeah. built for satisfaction. Right, right. Um, um. But I think part of this, too, also, like, I think you started this conversation with with the with the word curiosity and i think i spend a lot of time thinking about how curiosity this insatiable curiosity i have um it is both a good thing in that like it gives me a lot of opportunities for awe and wonder mm -hmm. but it also it's kind of a double-edged sword it yeah. also leads to a restlessness and a sense of a craving always for more and a, like, yeah. I'm not satisfied until I run out this thought experiment. Yeah. Um, can you, how do you, how do you invoke action in the absence of hope? You know, um, can you get as much joy as you can? I'd like this relationship between hope and joy. Um, it, it seems like a, it seems like a, a, a thing to me um can you get enough joy out of your actions mm. to preclude the need for hope for an an, an an eventual destination can you enjoy driving so much that you're not even thinking about where you're going to end up down the road hard no really oh i hate driving. well driving yeah driving okay possibly not the best analogy on that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um can you enjoy can you enjoy uh you know, pottery in the act of, you know, getting out a wheel and some clay and making the thing to the point where you're not even thinking about. I mean, if, if you love the, the act of pottery and the, the art of it and the craft of it and the process of going through it, the, the end result, you know, the pot or the plate or the cup or whatever it is makes itself. Yeah. You know, it's not even you that does it, right? It's the, it's the act of, of joy of the process of it that, that results in this thing. But I think the, those the point of it kinds never, of things, never right, really that a person can it. find where there, hope is irrelevant, joy is the point. Like, God, how many things like that do you have in your life, Paul? We've got a few. Yeah? We've got a few. All right. You know I like doing the dishes. You know I like doing the dishes. Um, but do the she, dishes shaking bring you joy? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's it's focusing, it's calming. It, I love cooking. You know, I love cooking. You know, eventually I think, well, I guess I probably ought to eat it too. You know, but the act is, you know, oftentimes does surpass 
the the end result of it because I just really enjoy the science of it. I love the the art of it. I like chopping vegetables. I like mm-hmm. boiling noodles. I just love that shit. Um, and it's like it's profound sense of peace that comes upon us when when I when it comes upon me when I do that. Um, sweeping okay, mopping not that much. I got to be honest. Uh, I am thinking about the destination when I'm mopping the floor <laughs> uh, quite a lot actually. Uh, but raking leaves, like you know, some of these more mundane, repetitive tasks. It's like I love some of that stuff. I love me some of that stuff. <sighs> Not all of it. Not all of it. I mean, that's fine. I hate. You I do hate. You, I hate doing paperwork. I hate um, doing paperwork, though. So <laughs> there's no joy to be found in paperwork and administrative stuff. The things that, yeah, I don't know. It. I'm trying to think about the things that I can really lose myself in, um, and that, it could be just a function of how my anxiety works. Um, hmm. The number of things that I can be fully present in is actually very small. Mm. Um, even like in the days of like concerts, right? Um, yeah. I love music more than anything. Yeah. Hard yeah, stop, yeah. right? Like yeah. um, I understand the world through music. Um, but even going to concerts, like a lot of concerts... I the whole time I'm there I'm completely restless the entire time. Mm. And there's a part of me that's like wondering when it'll be over. Interesting. Interesting. Even though it's one of my favorite activities. Yeah. yeah. Um there are a few certain bands that I can totally fully lose myself in. Hmm. Um but most of the time like I don't do relaxation well are you losing yourself in these bands or are you finding yourself in these bands that just sounded compelling i don't know if that's an yeah that's, question or not oh, but that just sounds yeah that just sounds good, good. Line, that's a good one yeah yeah that's for the that's for the that's for the inspirational poster that's not a question to talk about <laughs> right and i think there's like an eminem song that's like yeah yourself, might be. right like that's yeah, all i'm yeah. thinking about now yeah yeah i don't know um But I don't, I'm trying to think about the relationship between hope and joy and my inability to stay in a moment. Mm. Um, And I think that there is a relationship there where, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I turned in this paper and I got back on it. Um, this guy, Ted was my teacher Hmm. and he wrote on it a obviously. And then he wrote fatalistic, stoic question mark, question mark. Um, and I don't know, like sometimes I wonder if there's a little bit of fatalism and that sort of runs, (laughs) uh, as a deep current of who I am. Uh, and maybe it makes me a little morose. I do periods of melancholy quite well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I always, like, when something good happens to me, my instinct is pure dread. Mm. Um, because I am waiting for the other shoe. Like, I think Mm -hmm. everything is like a wheel of fortune. And, like, 
So when good things happen, my impulse is not hope for the future. It is dread for the other. Dread for the future. This brings us to equanimity, right? (laughs) Indeed. I knew that was going to come up at some point today. Yeah, that brings up to equanimity, right? We get both. We don't get to choose whether we get both. Um, We we get to choose how we respond to both, I think, is, is the best we can sort of, we can sort of do. You know, I think it's best we can sort of do. I think the only problem of Ahara we haven't yet hit is, uh, you know, mudita, sympathetic joy. But, um, yeah, and that's a big part of it. And is, is hope just a refusal to acknowledge equanimity? You know? know? It's like, well, it sucks now, but it doesn't have to, so we can work towards it be better. It's like rather than, yeah, you know, things rarely get better because somebody did something. Sometimes they do, you know, but, you know, the tide goes in and the tide goes out on, on all things all the time, Yeah. you know. Um, and I think the last message that I want to leave with everyone is that everything is meaningless and hopeless, despite what Ecclesiastes says. Um, but, uh, it, but, I mean, this is what Ecclesiastes says. It's like, do your work. Just do your work, you know, and it's like, do your work. And... <coughs> Because what else is there to do? Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, do your work. Just keep going. Keep moving. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, do the thing, yeah, that you've chosen or I don't know. It, well, this is such an interesting episode, Paul. Um, <laughs> you know what's interesting is I think... I think that we fixate too much on the good stuff, like, oh, have hope, be bubbly, be happy. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly have the capacity for all of that. Um, but I wonder sometimes if what is most challenging for a lot of our social issues is our inability to sit with the pain, to, to see the bad. Like, um, I often as early as like maybe like an hour ago, um, I often beat myself up for the fact that I have a propensity for periods of melancholy. Mm. Um, I can be quite morose. I will, I will just sit within my feels. It's just, yeah, it's very true to who I am. But at the same time, I also have the capacity for intense periods of joy and deep satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, apparently this is the virtue of the Enneagram four is the capacity (laughs) for both, right? Like it's, Mm. it is the the balance. Uh, It is the equanimity. I hate in some ways that I have a tendency for melancholy. Um, But I think my ability to sit with um, deep, hard emotions within myself makes me more empathetic and tolerant when other people come to me with it. And I don't feel like I need to just do the kind of bypassing thing where it's like, well, let's just put a, you know, like one of the most irritating things in my life is when people are really going through something and somebody says, well, let's just spin it around. Let's, how can we, how can we see the good side? And it's just like, you know what? Sometimes people just need to sit with the shit. Yep. And it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a strong urge to offer that, though. 
it's like, how can I fix this? You know, and it's like I, I feel that urge deeply within myself a lot of times with people. It's like, oh my God, what can I do? What can I what can I do to, to make this suffering go away? What can I do to address this? What can I do to in this in, in whoever this person is, if even myself or anything like that? Um, knowing full well, knowing full well that, you know, the way out is the way through, you know, the way through is the way out. And it's like sometimes things just are. I mean, you're by um, people have the right to experience the range of their emotions that they have in their lives and, and figure out their way sort of through them, I think. And may they may, may their suffering be brief and may may they find peace on the other side. And I hope wisdom comes quickly. And, and I think I hope that happiness comes quickly. But you know, there is this truth of suffering and sorrow and grief and pain and, and all of that. And, you know, if you if you spend your life running around trying to wear yourself out, trying to take other people's pain away, what you're going to find is that... Um, you're going to find yourself to be a tired pigeon. You're really exhausted. Yeah, you're really busy, Is, yeah. is you know, and that a lot of times people just need to feel it for a little bit to, to find their way through. Because it, it's it's something that wants to be heard. Yeah, I mean, I think you know if if you really want to sum up an episode on hope, where we've basically you know just slammed it, slammed it for <laughs> however long. I mean, Oof. I think the thing is, is if if a person has hope, I think that's great, good for them. But I also think if somebody doesn't have hope, who cares? Like, I don't think it is the only thing to cultivate. So if you don't have hope. I think the key thing is to say, okay, well, take stock. What do you have? Yeah, which works on joy. Yeah, like, you know, there are days where, you know, as Paul well knows, uh, over this past weekend, one of the things that happened to me was that I got a hornet stuck in my hair. Uh, And, you know, like... In a moment like that, you're not focused on, like, the hopes and dreams of the future. Well. It has a way of putting you right in the present. It it was all hope and no joy. (laughs) I hope this hornet gets out of my hair and I'm experiencing no joy in this whatsoever, you know. But, you know, immediately after that, like, I have this opportunity to, to reconnect with my husband and to to laugh at a thing that is totally not laughable in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, that whole situation doesn't have anything to do with hope. But I just don't think if I were going to spend time cultivating one thing in my life, it wouldn't be hope. Mm-hmm. I think people can survive and thrive maybe with other things sort of on on their on their plate as the things that are important to cultivate because there are times that just don't call for hope right um there are times when hope feels insensitive mm-hmm. um but i think even in the darkest times even in moments that don't feel like there is hope no one faults people for finding minute or shouldn't finding moments of joy within the hardest spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, because you see this, you know, extraordinary hope in the face of extreme adversity. 
And sometimes it's like, yeah, that's great. Sometimes like, I don't think that's going to work out the way that they think it's or they, they, they hope it does. May they find joy in the present experiences they're having until this runs its course, you yeah. know. Um, what? Because the, the joy that you can find now is the only thing that you really truly have. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, um, you know, to circle back to, you know, one of the reasons we're having Podcast Thursday, right, instead of yeah. Podcast Wednesday is because, like – I was processing through a whole lot of stuff yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. And so Paul was kind enough to sit and be with me as I was processing all the stuff. Um, At no point did Paul ask me to have hope that the things will get better. Instead, we came up with the dorkiest metaphor. (laughs) Which worked spectacularly, I think. Right? Yeah. And so instead of trying to fix my stuff... We divided everything into floors in a hypothetical horrible building that no one should ever enter. <laughs> this place should be quarantined. It's going to be, de- it's going to be demolished um, next Thursday. You know? you know, and so we had these moments of levity where we wrapped up talking about one terrible thing. And then Paul made elevator music as we moved yeah, to, the next to the next floor. Yeah. Next. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But it didn't matter within those moments. Like, it wasn't, well, like, well, I hope it gets better, Sherry. Well, it might not. Who knows? Well, that sucks. What's on the next floor? Yeah. Right. right. Like, Like, (laughs) we're just going to sit with it and find moments. Um, I mean, this has happened. There have been moments, Paul, when we've been in the middle of a fight and you've said, can we just stop and laugh together? Yeah. 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 It kind of does wonders. So I don't know. Yeah, it does. For me... Hope, I don't know. But laughter and joy, those are the things I really need. Those are the things. And both of those things are always things that happen in the moment you're in. Yeah. You know, because hope for joy is still hope. Yeah. Hope for laughter is still hope. Laughter and joy or laughter and joy. I think maybe the only hope I need is the hope that I can find joy in the simpler things like Mr. Dishes over here. Oh, boy. I'm a simple man, Sherry. He's always told me that. Simple, simple desires, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know if this episode went the way that I thought it would. And that's okay. I hope it's like, oh, I don't don't know where this is going to go. It's like, it sounds like an optimistic thing. Is it really? Is it really? And our intention is, of course, not to destroy anybody's notions of hope being a good thing or anything like that. Um, but maybe it is one of these things where, you know, consider it consider it um, in the context of, of present joy as well when you think about hope. Yeah. You know? What um, did you hope for this episode? Oh, people would like it. Hmm. <laughs> I hope people would. But again, that's future. You know, I hope... Uh, I hope that people get something out of it. I hope there's something meaningful that comes to me because it's like, I don't know about hope either. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a big fancy word out there that people throw around that um, I really don't feel like I have a great handle on. And I learn best when I talk it out. Mm-hmm. And either there's something there and there's not. But I do think I feel like I came out of this with a much deeper and richer, not place to finish, but place to start sort of rethinking about it and thinking about it in the context of how it plays in my own life and my own decisions and I, where I am right now and what the things that I, I want to do and why I want to do them and what I'm hoping 
again, there it is. I mean, it comes it comes out without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. What hoping the 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 results of them are. So, I mean, that state that phrase by itself sounds great, but it's destination thinking, mm-hmm. and you have no way to know whether you're going to end up there or not. You know, so you can spend your whole life hoping for something, never getting it, and missing out on the joy that is to be had in the every everyday things that you're missing because you're too thinking too much thinking about hope. Mm-hmm. And the future and what the end result is going to be and the destination and where you're going to end up and what the objective is and what the vision is down the line for what you're going to do. And I think all those good, all those things, your brain will spin things up for you without you having to spend any time thinking about it. But do you enjoy the things you're doing now? Um, do you get joy out of the things you're doing now? Right now I'd say yes, Sherry, because I do enjoy podcasting. I do having conversations with you and all that kind of great stuff. I think it's great and I love it. Um, this is joy, this podcast. It's not hope. It's joy mm-hmm. um, for me. So I was like, oh, cool. Let's do more of that. Um, and then we have a joyful podcast where we shed on hope for an hour. <laughs> so. Well, you know what's Our next funny conversation is going to be about me, joy, right? And we're gonna, I yeah. think I get a lot of joy – out of taking something that seems simple and then poking at it until you start to see the complexity. Like, I don't know what it is about that. To me, that's a lot better than doing the dishes. Like, Yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, but that's just me. You know, hey, Something to be said for the dishes, you. too. You know, something to be said for the dishes, too. You know. Uh, what an interesting conversation, Sherry. Indeed. I was hoping it would go this way. Yeah. Well, it's always a joy. I'm joyful it did, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, well, I hope you have a good evening. I hope you do as well, Sherry. And I'll see you soon. See you soon. Cool. Thanks, Sherry. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes. Yes.